Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 113 with our guest, Eric Cabral. Hey guys, quick thing I want to alert you to right before you hear the conversation I had with Eric Cabral. The interview you're going to hear was recorded in the On Air Brands studio. But right after that, if you stay tuned, we have a little bonus episode for you. It's about 20 minutes of an episode that I recorded with Eric a couple of weeks prior to the episode you'll listen to first. Eric and I met in person at the Podcast Row event, and uh, I was the host and he was my guest, and we only got 20 minutes or so to record that episode, but we wanted to share more. I wanted to hear more from Eric, so we then went back to the On Air Brand Studio, which is what you're going to hear first, the extended interview we did, And again, if you stay tuned, we left it as a bonus track in this episode. You'll hear the 20 or so minute original interview me and him recorded as part of Podcast Row. Enjoy. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Wheels are spinning. It looks like, by all accounts, we are live on Facebook. Look at this, a new scene, a new day, a new everything. We are live right now at the On Air Brands studio in beautiful Trenton, New Jersey with uh, my man over here, who's also doubling as my guest. It's uh, Eric Cabral, who's who's doing a few things. I think he's sharing out what needs to be shared. That's really cool. So we have a whole new setup that we are um, the first time doing. I have been a guest in this studio. I met Eric uh, a month or two ago at an event, and uh, we kept that relationship going. And here we are. So... This ties into everything that I've always envisioned doing in my career and with podcasts. And now I have access um, through the kindness of Eric here to be uh, in studio. And not only that, we decided about two minutes ago to stand um, (laughs) in my other office where uh, everything has been, um, you know, filmed to date. 
um, I have a standing desk, which I love. And Eric said, hey, I might want to stand. And I said, hey, I'll stand. Yeah. Uh, standing desks are cool. Eric, what is going on? Uh, a lot's going on, brother. I mean, Good. you and I have been spending some time together, which has been wonderful. Um, you know, uh, when you get creatives in a room together, sparks fly. And um, and I just love being around you. Well, thank and, you. And, and um, you know, creating and, and, and brainstorming and just really exciting, you know, when we get together. Um, and, you know, some of those sparks were flying when we first met, right? But we had a very brief moment together on that show. And I'm glad yep. you suggested, hey, let's just do a full-on episode. Yeah, well, well, this whole thing is cool. So a quick backdrop, and then we're going to get right into the episode, which is going to be an official episode of The Hidden Entrepreneur Show, episode 113, with my guest, of course, Eric Cabral, uh, the founder of On Air Brands, which uh, is all of this. Everything you see is because of On Air Brands. Um, again, that I am just um, in, impressed and extremely thankful to to be a part of and and see what the future holds for us. So thank you for yeah, that opportunity. Absolutely, dude. It's it's my pleasure and honor to have you here. Um, and as you pointed out earlier, before all, uh, everything went on and we, we hit live and start and record that, um, um, this is the first time I'm a guest in my studio. <laughs> so yeah. It's kind of cool and surreal and, and, and an honor to, to sort of give someone the keys and have you sit in the driver's seat and then I just can sit here and relax. <laughs> this is nice. Well, I plan on driving <laughs> it wonderfully. You'll let me know. Eric, of course, has his own show, his own podcast and uh, a whole lot more. So let's get, uh, let's get right into it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's make uh, episode 113 official. And for those tuning in, um, let's make this as interactive as, as possible. Um, I will read comments on the air in real time. If you have thoughts, questions, ideas as we're uh, moving along, I see your comments here. So put them in and we will, we will interact. But for now, let's hit record. Thank you for hitting those um, hearts and thumbs up buttons. Really cool. Um, so for now, let's hit record and officially do episode 113 with Eric Cabral. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Hey there, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Our guest today is, by definition, a serial entrepreneur. He is the founder of the creative agency On Air Brands, as well as the real estate investment company Mindado Investment Group. He's also a partner in the third largest winery in the U.S. called Renault Winery and Resort. And uh, to make matters even better... Eric left corporate America after spending 20 plus years, including a big chunk of that time in the pharma sector, and he never looked back. Help me welcome my guest right there, <laughs> face to face in studio. It's Eric Cabral. What's yeah, going on, my man? Yeah, what's going on, brother? Uh, it, it's it's great to be one of, if not maybe your first live. Oh no, you had a ton of them uh, earlier. But, you know, I, I like being part of something new and fresh for you and, and for me, um, you know, being a guest in the studio. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thank you again for that. Uh, this is new and fresh. Uh, I love, as a host, 
uh, as somebody that uh, interviews. I love the face-to-face connection. There's so- certainly something there. Um, and I, I just love the whole studio setup. So again, it's all in the timing, right? Let's talk about that, how an entrepreneur seizes opportunity or positions themselves to be in front of opportunity because isn't really that the name of the game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's interesting about becoming an entrepreneur or business owner um, is always being prepared, right? So it's almost as if um, you know, you're working out at the gym and you're, 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 you're running and you're exercising and you're stretching and you're lifting weights. And at some point, someone comes along and says, here, you know, lift this hundred pounds, you know, or help me move or, you know, carry this to, you know, these dumbbells, you know, do whatever it is that takes physical, you know, strength. Um, if you weren't at the gym and working out and stretching and doing all those things, you could potentially get hurt. Right. So, um, what I find as an entrepreneur, there are certain things that we have to instill into our life and our habits and rituals to be prepared for those opportunities when they present themselves. It is all about preparation because you know my story. I spent 40 years hiding, hiding all of my power and my ability. Do you think good things came along? No, but I kicked and screamed every day wondering why. And it's because I wasn't emotionally, uh, well, let's just put it out there. I wasn't mature on, on any level, including emotionally mature. I wasn't ready, right? I wasn't physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally in that position to really attract, call it what you will, opportunities. So I would say, Hey, I want that. Why, why can't I get that? Or why isn't that for me? Or why aren't I part of that? But until you're sort of in the the frame of mind to be part of that, those literally like a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, 20 years ago, this very moment could not have appeared in my life because I, I wasn't that person. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and like we said, you know, not being prepared for those moments. So it's funny because a lot of people who are in my life or, you know, just witnessing things from afar are often like, you're so lucky. Oh yeah. Go for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's, it's a pet peeve of mine. I get it. You know, even my, my I love my mom dearly, obviously, but she's always like, Oh, luck. I'm praying for you. And Hey, that's great. You know, I need all the prayers and help I can get. But the thing is what people don't realize is luck is preparation. Right. And, opportunity meeting. So like if the opportunity came and I wasn't prepared for that, right? I wasn't worthy of that. Then it wouldn't have been an opportunity that I could take advantage of. But the fact that I'm doing the necessary things, I'm making the the necessary connections, I'm reading the right books and listening to the right, you know, shows like hit an entrepreneur, um, (laughs) things that are prepping my muscles so that I can be ready to lift those, you know, dumbbells, when, when, when called upon me. And so that's, that's where I find luck. That's the definition of luck for me. Anyone who, who seizes an opportunity and was a hundred percent prepared for it. Um, you know, that's where things, and that's where the magic happens. Let's talk about your 
quote unquote luck and opportunity. Today, you're a serial entrepreneur. I think so many entrepreneurs have that tendency, right? We all oh, yeah. want to to do what we're doing and then, okay, what's next? You have your hands in amazing things, obviously on-air brands, which again is responsible for everything you're seeing here. Uh, so excited for what, um, what you're allowing part of my future to entail yeah, on man. that front. Love it. Thank you, ma'am. Um, but then also uh, real estate. So so you have the creative mind, you have the analytical mind, which I know is all left brain and right brain. You call yourself uh, sort of a unicorn because apparently you excel in both of those sides of the brain. Talk to me a little bit about that. What does that really mean? And how can an entrepreneur use that knowledge um, to their advantage, how can we apply whether we're right-brained or left-brained? Yeah, well, to answer your second question first, right? So if you haven't identified for yourself if you're a left-brainer or a right-brainer, I mean, you kind of want to quickly figure that out because then you can begin to leverage your strength. So if you're a creative, you're a right-brained individual that comes up with ideas, you're the visionary, you like to constantly throw things out there and try to create things, uh, you're absolutely right-brained. So then the left brain, and I'm defining this for people who probably, you know, and most people know this, left brain, very analytical, process oriented. They love to just take visions and ideas from other people and make them and implement and make them happen. So what I found that I always leveraged my right brain throughout my entire career, that's why I was in and have been in the creative industry for 23 years. Um, I didn't realize that I had a left brain um, strength until I went into managerial sort of uh, type of jobs where I was managing teams and growing teams and analyzing the data and the numbers and, and, and doing things that I wasn't comfortable with. It wasn't until I pushed myself to be uncomfortable that I realized, wait a minute, I'm actually a left brain too. Like I can do this and do it well. So when I realized and figured that out, um, it was a op there was an opportunity for me to start my own company, right? So in corporate America, towards the tail end of my career, I started to realize that I could do left and right. Um, perfect recipe for being a business owner, right? So I created Mendato Investment Group, right? Leaving corporate America behind. And the Mendato Investment Group was a new adventure. It was a new chapter in life where I was going to become a real estate investor and no longer a creative, right? But as the universe and life happens, you know, things that are your calling beckon, right? So they, the creative industry had to come back after a year of investing and learning how to invest and getting comfortable with buying properties and lending money and doing all sorts of things that were completely out of my wheelhouse, right? Just things that I never would have thought even imaginable um, led me down a road where I started to create things in that industry and people started to recognize it. Right. So they were like, who's doing your who did your branding? Who did your logos? Who did this? Who did that? You know, I started to volunteer my time in a real estate group, investing group. Um, people started to see me shine in, in doing interviews and, 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 and helping other business owners tell their story. I started to just do that to do creative things because I couldn't stop creating um, that in turn birthed on air brands because um, I started to do so much creative to the point where I had to hire people. It was freelance. I was a contractor, but it got to the point where I had so much work coming in. 
I had to get a designer. I had to get a project manager. I had to get people that can manage the accounts because um, it was just too much for me to do. And, and as it was, you know, now being a business owner, muscle memory kicked in to build a team because I had built a team from Indato Investment Group and I ran and operated that and I got very comfortable with, okay, I'm going to own and operate that at the same time. I'm not closing it down. But at the same time, I need to do the same exact thing and duplicate that for creative. So, yeah. How scary is it or was it when you realized, oh, my goodness, I have to bring on a team of people? Because I know that that's a, an area of resistance yeah. for a lot of entrepreneurs for various reasons. Um, well, it wasn't scary because I pulled from my network, right? I knew all these individuals. I knew a lot of them worked for me in corporate so I was very comfortable. We were like brothers and sisters, very close. So they were fully supportive of me saying, I want to be a part of this adventure. I, I, I miss you, you know, being my manager, being my boss. I miss all the stuff that we had done together in the past. So that's who I called on. I called on family basically mm. and said, come on into the fold. I'm building this company. Do you want to be a part of it? And then, yeah, so it was not that scary. Yeah. Me, yeah. Let's talk about networking for a moment. Uh, I've come to realize how important as an entrepreneur networks are, which is basically your your people, the people you know, the people that know you, the relationships you build. It truly is everything. To connect it to you, uh, through your podcast, you have a, a recorded promo by Robert Kiyosaki, who is the author of... Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? How big is that book? So Robert Kiyosaki has recorded a promo for you saying, hey, this is Robert Kiyosaki. You're listening to Entrepreneur Circle, which is your podcast, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Walk us through how that happened. And I want to see what we can extract yeah. lessons because anybody would want their version of yeah. that. Whoever it is, whoever your Robert Kiyosaki is uh, doing uh, a promo for you and whatever your version of having something really cool connected uh, with you and for you. Man, we're gonna. You ready to go down a rabbit hole, then? I'd love to. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I say, are you guys ready to hear this story? Because I've never told it before, so oh, cool. it's not that succinct. So I'll try. As to long keep as it there as are clean. lessons there that we'll extract I, well, along yeah, the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure there are. So the podcast was something that I created um, to develop a personal brand. Right. I became a big Gary Vaynerchuk fan. Document the journey, and um, that was really a vehicle for me to promote my real estate investing venture, right? So I wanted people to know what I was doing because people saw me as a creative, so I had to reinvent myself. So that way I can talk about real estate, I could talk about creative, I could talk about whatever I wanted in this podcast and in this brand, this Eric Cabral brand, which now has become Entrepreneur Circle. Um, so <clears throat> that was really what it was for. I started it in my basement um, it was really not supposed to be a big thing. Um, <laughs> I love those stories. Yeah. Really, it was really just getting comfortable and getting my feet wet. And hey, let's try it. What the heck? I fell in love, bro. It was just something that I never do things half-assed. So I have to go all in once I fall in love with something. And I started buying microphones. I started buying sound equipment. I started buying soundproofing. And I converted my home office into a podcast studio. And I started to take it really seriously. And I started to reach out to people and in my network. Hey, can I interview? I'll show up. I'm going to come to your office. So it started that way. The groundswell started to build. People on the show probably just like, eh, whatever. I'll do his, his silly little show. 
um, to the point where, you know, got dozens and dozens of episodes, started to interview some bigger names um, through my networks. Um, and then as that was progressing, people started to notice, people started to listen, people in my network started to listen. Let and me just say one quick thing. Yeah. You had to put in a little bit of legwork oh, yeah. time before people oh, yeah. start noticing. That's one of the tips I always talk to people about in podcasting specifically. Yeah. Uh, it's not a it's not a quick solution to anything. You might your first year um, have not many listeners and you have to go in with that mindset, right? Yeah. Like I'm going to do this consistently, whatever that consistent schedule is. And I'm going to give it a year. That's sort of what you have to do and, and be okay with the fact that people might not listen. People might not care, but at the end of the year, yeah. you're going to have X amount of shows and really X amount of relationships, experiences, and opportunities that yeah. are yours to grab. So you notice that. Yeah. I started, so I just started to do my thing, right? I was just having conversations. These are normal conversations that I would have people in networking events or, you know, during a meeting, I'd pull someone aside and it would be a conversation that we would have with or without the microphones. So that's what I just started to capture these. I started to notice that what we were talking about was of tremendous value to anyone that was in the room, anyone that was privy to the conversation. And so then I started to record it. I literally went onto Amazon and bought these lavalier mics. 20 bucks, connected it to my iPhone with a splitter. So I had two microphones on the go in my pocket all the time. And I started to record episodes, which if you listen to my you know, first dozen or so, that's how it was done. It wasn't in studio, it wasn't fancy. And then um, it started to evolve. It started to get to the point where I was doing so much at the same time, I needed to hire an editor, right? So then that became a whole system. And then I started to hire another editor and then I started to hire, you know, they, we, it started to become a business. Right? I love it. Yeah. Right. And I, I didn't, because this is just what we do, right. We can't even help ourselves. I started uh, creating a new business, which was entrepreneur circle. And then <clears throat> what happened, I was, I was on stage speaking at an event, introducing a good friend of mine and um, someone in the audience, audience noticed and pulled, pulled me aside after the fact and said, I love what you said up there. I love your energy. I love on air brands. Um, how can I help and how can I work with you? This individual turned into a client, a friend and a partner. So this guy is the owner of Renault winery. Wow. Um, so now, you know, we're partners in that. And then also, um, we partnered together in a new show, uh, that I've created for him on our brands is created called capital hacking. So that is what led us down the rabbit hole as far as he has his own network. He is a known, he's a massive personality, you know, with reality shows calling to him. He's got nine kids. Um, he bought a huge winery, um, resort, golf course, uh, hotel, all in one space. Um, he's just doing so much, including the, the, the show that we have together, that he networks. He, when he and I are together, it's combustible, like you and I. And when he's alone, he's still crushing it, right? So he's doing his thing. He's off on other networking events that I'm not, you know, uh, attending. And Robert Kiyosaki was that one. Before you go down that path, yeah. let me just extract something I heard. What you did for how long was it? Months, I'm gathering, before you hit record on episode one mm. to when uh, you met up with, uh, what's his name? Oh, man. Josh. Josh. Yeah, so his let name me, is Josh. Yeah, his Josh as well. Yeah. Uh, I would say I was probably, if you look at whatever episode he was on, probably 12 or 13, right. something like that. So I was only 13 episodes in. 
right. by the time he started to, so he's, he, he basically looked me up, right? He, mm. he, he, he met me, he loved me and then said, let me look into what he's doing and started listening to every single episode of the entrepreneur circle. That is <laughs> the key that I'm getting at lesson right there. You put yourself in the position to be discovered, to be seen, to be watched and let whatever would unfold, unfold and be open to the opportunities. And that's what I always say to uh, people who want to coach or consult or to mentor or to create a product or service, do whatever that end result is. So uh, whatever your thing is, show the result of what you're capable of doing so people on the outside can watch you before they're going to even get in touch with you. But really, yeah. it's 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 how they get in touch with you. If you have nothing for them to see what you're about yeah. You, you could post, hey, contact me if you want me to coach you or I can help you do this. Well, I want to see really what you're capable of and I want to see that you're doing it. Right. So, and that's what you did. You put yourself in the position to be, to be uh, in front of opportunity. Yeah. What, what I love about the landscape today and with social media and using social media as a tool, right, um, is that any business owner who's a good business owner knows that you have to establish the three rules, <laughs> the three commandments, uh, know, like, and trust. You have to establish that for your potential clients and customers. So what social media does for us and does it really, really well is it creates that foundation for that relationship already, right? So people start to watch Josh Carey. They know him. I know him because I hear his voice. I see his mannerisms. I like his vibe. I know him. Now I like him because I've been watching him following Right? I'm listening to his podcast. I'm watching him on Facebook and Instagram. So now I know I like him. Let me eventually meet the guy. I kind of trust him already. I don't even know the guy. Right? All of a sudden, you're shaking hands. You're at a networking event. And they've gotten to really cement their preconceived notion of you as this guy that they know and they like. And now I'm speaking to him. I think I trust him. Boom, there's your client right there. So that's what happened. So when you, all of my stuff, and I, I make sure that I am everywhere, right? So mm -hmm. I align myself with big brands, right? Brand through association. Go ahead. And um, it gives me more visibility. So oftentimes people come to me and they're like, how are you doing all of that? How are you everywhere? It's because I'm not just on my own channels. I'm on six other people's channels, right? Whether it's doing this or whether it's aligning myself with, or, and become, and volunteering my time in a nonprofit organization, organization that has th a thousand members, you know, or or with the Renault Winery, which has its own following, I'm always everywhere helping other people do what they do, right? So that this way I'm ubiquitous, as ubiquitous as I can possibly be. So um, that right there, I reach and touch more people to establish that no like and trust foundation. Let's bring in the the fear factor, yeah. so to speak, because I'm listening to you, I'm watching you, I know you to some extent, and it seems like you're fearless, it seems like you're just a ball of confidence. Was that always the case? Oh, no, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I wish. Go on. No, I, <laughs> I mean, wish he let's, says let's that. rewind. No, but I mean, yeah. it's it's good, right? You ha we have to evolve as people and business owners. Um, I always remember a time... I would say within five, maybe six years ago, where I was terrified of public speaking, right? I hated presenting at creative meetings. Um, unless I really, really knew the content well, 
um, I couldn't spontaneously jump into a team meeting and start presenting something to a client. I was petrified, you know, and, and I think one of the major things about it was, um, what are people going to think of me? Mm. What are my peers going to think of me? Are they going to think I'm stupid? You know, is, is, am I wearing the right thing? Is my hair right? Like all these things were, I couldn't get out of my own head. When I got to the point somewhat recently, really not caring what people think and just be myself, that really changed the game because then people started to gravitate towards that confidence air quotes because it's really just me not thinking and overthinking and 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 being self-conscious it was really just me being myself always all the time and it really worked and 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 then i started to force myself to get in to get on stage to get in front of people whether it's five people or 100 people i always made sure to put myself in a position where i can speak to a lot of people to get comfortable in that yeah we hear all the time um you know, get out of your own head, stop caring what other people think. And on paper, that's really been the shift for me too. But it's not just a a one-day thing that you say, okay, yes, today I'm really going to stop caring what people think. Um, there's Because your old habits, your old, your, your old ways and thoughts really get in the way and try to overcome that. So for you, what was it, what was the, the day-to-day work that really had to be put in? Because I know once you commit to that and acknowledge that and really start to become self-aware that, you know what, I, I really care what people think and that's prohibiting me from being my best and let me start to get out of my own way, you really have to take an assessment. You really have to then decide to put in the work and then you really have to commit to put in the daily work. This is a daily thing, right? So for you, do you remember like what some of those first changes and adjustments in your habits, thought processes and rituals were that got you to where you are? Um, Well, it was many things, right? So I'll I'll try to distill it down to a few. Um, Surrounding myself with the right people, right? I had to make sure that the people that were very negative, that were always you know, coming up with excuses and reasons and not results. Um, those were the type of people that I, you know, I still love them to death. They're brothers and sisters to me. I just didn't speak to them on a daily basis, mm-hmm. right? So that was the first thing I did. And then um, I started to surround myself with more people that were positive, that were doing a lot of good things and had the right mindset, and had the mindset that I wanted to have. So I started to absorb through osmosis that just by being around them. Right. And that's all I say. That's literally 100% who have I, I hang out with now. Right. Just business owners. So then I started to, and this is me personally, and, and anyone, you know, can do this. Um, it seems like a little thing, but it, 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 it made a big impact on me. I subscribed to YouTube. It was called YouTube Red at the time. It's, it's YouTube Premium now. Um, for the sheer fact that I can find content relatively quick and easy and listen to it when my phone is off. When I'm at the gym, when I'm driving, I'm not using a lot of data, you know, for video. It's just audio. And I would listen to Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins and Les, uh, Evans, uh, Les Brown and all these people that were just light years ahead and that I thought were just mind-blowing. Like, this is going to change my life if I listen to this every single day, all day. And I did that for a good clip, man. I did that for probably a good year nonstop every day. First thing when I woke up, 
when I was at the gym, whenever, whenever I had a break, my headphones were on um, and, and I was listening to positive stuff. And then I started to read a ton of things, um, you know, early, early books that I read, obviously, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, but, um, you know, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, Out, Outwitting the Devil. Highly recommend those two books. Just ancient books is in terms of like entrepreneur Bibles, you know, The Seven Habits of uh, Successful. Highly successful. You know, the uh, Stephen Covey book which I'm reading again. So all these things I started to incorporate into my life and it really started to make a change. It's funny because the people that I sort of left behind um, were like, what do you, who are you and what are you becoming and why are you doing this? You know, Oh, you're becoming a Tony Robbins light. But and, over, and they're sort of saying this like as like a dig. Oh right? yeah. A hundred percent. Come on. What is this? Who yeah, do you what think are you doing? You are? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And here's the thing. You know, Josh, a year later, I'm a completely different person. My wife calls it Eric 2.0. Love it. Right? Complete 180. And now it's gotten to the point, and I'm not saying like I'm bulletproof, but it's easier to not hear the noise, not right, not recognize or recognize it and not pay attention to it. It doesn't affect me, mm-hmm. right? So if I get haters anywhere on social or, or word of mouth, it doesn't bother me it doesn't you know i know the reasons i know it's where it's all these things that you sort of have to reprogram yourself um because we all came from an industrial mindset we were all indoctrinated in a certain way through the educational system and and our and and parenting and all these things that if you didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial uh, household i didn't you know uh with financial literate parents you know, you have to teach all these things and reprogram yourself. And, and that, that took some time. It didn't, it, it, I'd say it took a good year for me. Yeah. And I want to expand on one thing you said. Uh, one of the things you did was remove the negative or toxic people from your, from your life, which is, it, it's certainly imperative, but sometimes we don't have that physical possibility, right? Mm-hmm. It might be with family we live with or a coworker we see all the time yeah. or or a friend that just, you know, can't get out of our lives for one reason or another. So what I have found the trick or the end result you need for that is not to just resign and say, well, there's nothing I can do here. The thing you must do there is get to a point where you determine how you react to everything this person is throwing your way because there are always going to be people in your lives that, uh, you know, trigger you and frustrate you and never say the right things. We are not here to change them. That is not the goal. And we spend so much of our time, you know, uh, uh, kicking and screaming like, Oh, why can't you stop saying that to me? And, And then we put all of our energy into it, but you know what it is. The secret is Figuring out how to get to a point for yourself where their words do not affect you in that right. way and your reaction is not a trigger for anything. Right. That's the win. Not to change anybody because you may never change anybody and that's not what we have to do. But it's yeah. the reaction, right? You found that? A hundred percent, yeah. So one of the things that resonated with me, and this is aligned with what you're saying, is um, it was Tony Robbins that said, <clears throat> there's only two reactions um, and responses when someone comes to you, whether they're, you know, whatever they're saying to you, right. They're either coming at you with love or they're coming at you for help. Oh, I love that. Cause right? first of all, you think that it's going to be for love yeah. or for hate, right. but no, say it again. They're That's either, right. they're, yeah. re- they're either, they're either speaking to you through love or they're speaking to you because they need help. So whether that's wow. somebody yelling at you 
right? And saying, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? I'm so stressed out. Why, you know, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. They need help, right? Even if they're coming at you angrily, yelling at you for something you did, they obviously need help. So if you position that in your mind and frame it in your mind as, okay, what is this person saying to me? Is this love or is this they, a cry for help? And it makes it easier to react and respond to something in a better way. I'm not saying I'm perfect. There are times, especially, you know, it, you know, with my wife, um, where I'll just knee-jerk reaction, you know, Eric 1.0 reacts. And then I, but the thing is I reflect on it very quickly within minutes or like on the drive, you know, and, and I'll text or call and say, hey, I didn't react to that well, right? I realized that you need me for this or we have to do this to change that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that really changed everything when I heard either through love or or a cry for help. And really, it's not easy. It is not easy to get to that point, but it is possible. Living, breathing proof right here. Spent forty plus years angry, depressed, miserable, frustrated, needy, depressed. Go on, go on. Yeah. And my life circumstances reflected that. Because, you know, we, we attract who we are naturally and we attract those people and circumstances that just reiterate that frame of mind for ourselves. And for me, it was uh, realizing uh, somewhat recently that playing the victim is actually a thing. And when I heard that, I said, oh my goodness, yes, that's me. I never even realized that that was a thing and is a thing. Now I have more self-awareness to say, okay, well, that's not the kind of person I really want to continue to be. Let me continue to add more and more daily habits and techniques on top of this to move away from that. And it's certainly possible. And then you realize the ego always gets in the way. To be able to apologize to somebody uh, and really say, call them back or a few minutes later or sometime later, say, you know what? I was wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that happened. Um, I have gotten to that point where I can do it. Uh, but I, I realized, wow, I was never that person. Um, me, meanwhile, if something like ticked me off, I would hold that anger mm. for a while yeah. and really let it fester and say, see, nothing goes my way. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, you remind me, of, I mean, there's so many things here that we could unpack, but one of the things that always, um, reminds me of when, when, when situations, and I was very similar to that and if not exactly the same, um, you know, playing the victim, blaming others and not taking ownership. Um, but then, but the part that you're talking about where you hold the resentment mm. and the anger for years and years and years. And there are many people in our lives that still do that. And you feel justified. Yeah. And you just don't let it go. The perfect analogy uh, for that was like, that's like you drinking poison, expecting it's going to hurt someone else, right? It does nothing for you or them. Right. It's just affecting you in a negative way and in a toxic way. Yeah. So I, I, I try I try my best to not insert like my new philosophies onto people who like you want to help. Right. Yeah. Unless they ask for it. It's really oh. tough, especially with family. You don't want to come off as like a know it all or like, oh, I'm so much better now. But it hurts to find other people and, and see other people like holding on to things. You know, and, and 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 not being able to let go and figure it out and just waste decades you know so true right on something that you don't even remember why you're angry in the first place um when there could have just been peace and love i mean it sounds corny but no, right? I, I know mean, it's really I know. and the thing is this goes right back to business uh where i manage my team the same exact way as i do my relationships my kids my wife where it's like if something happened 
and it didn't go the way it was supposed to go and a client wasn't satisfied with how we did something, I don't point the finger like I would have in corporate America and how many people do um, is, is, is you're, you're protecting yourself, right? When you have a job and, and it's not me, it was him, it was her, it was them. <laughs> and, and now as a business owner, I always, the, by, the, by default, knee-jerk reaction, what did I do? How could I have made that better? I take ownership of that, right? Did I not communicate well to my staff? Did I not tell them clearly what the objective was, right? Is it something that I did? What did I do? What systems didn't I have in place to set you up for success? So it's similar at home where it's like, what can we do to course correct? We did it this way. It didn't work. Let's try it this way. It's not on you. It's me. It's us. Let's put do it together. Yeah, I want to connect the dots a little bit. Let's go back to to your upbringing. I want to see how how that might have influenced uh, steps of your way. Take us back to Eric Cabral as a young child. What was life like growing up for you, and what was the main source of tension or conflict there? Um, so I grew up in a predominantly and I imagine this is the, the majority of America uh, in a somewhat dysfunctional household, right? Um, my parents were immigrants from the Philippines. Um, kudos to them for having the balls to come here and establish a new life. Um, I wouldn't have, be here with you and, and you know, a uh, you know, successful business owner um, without the opportunities that, that afforded you know, me and, and, and gave me opportunities here in America. Um, so first generation born and raised here, um, a ton of opportunities, um, but a lot of programming that I had to reprogram, you know, as an adult, you know, and a business owner. So um, there are things that I extracted, like work ethic from them, you know, um, even though they hustled and worked really hard in their jobs, I always recognized and saw how hard they worked. Um, so I did definitely pull that. Like I never, especially with my father, he would work on a project, say, you know, it's building me a bike or doing something, you know, he wouldn't stop until the job was done. So even if it was three o'clock in the morning, he would keep at it. So, and, and, and people in my life who know me well, know me for this. Like I won't stop until I get the result. And that is like a key component for an entrepreneur, right? To, to continue on the path until it's completed, until you reach that goal. So there are things that I definitely picked up from my family, the work ethic, the drive, um, you know, following through, just things like that. I definitely um, um, carried all the way through and helped me on my path now. Um, but I'll have to give a big shout out to um, my uncle, my, my mother's brother, who, um, God rest his soul, passed away um, in the 90s. But he really set a path for me and, 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 and made me aware of opportunities outside of a corporate job or a, any type of job where you're working for someone and helping someone else's business. Um, he, ha- he opened a bodega in the Bronx um, and then also, um, you know, had other businesses. But what I used to do um, was take a lot of the stuff that he had from this, this bodega. Like he would give it to me. I would take it. So candy, for instance, and he would give it to me for free, like probably $100 worth of candy, which is a ton. And I would sell it in school. And because I was in upstate New York at the time, it was stuff they never saw before. You know, I was getting stuff from the city. 
So I was slinging candy and making profits and buying comic books with the profits and then eventually going back and, you know, giving him some of the money and buying more candy. But then um, it also, he'd also <laughs> give me fireworks, you know, and then I would set up a shop in my house and I would literally take cardboard boxes and put display cases of like the cheaper stuff in the front of the house, you know, firecrackers, sparklers. And then as you went deeper into my funnel, <laughs> there would be what they called the birthday cake and the Roman candles and all the big explosive stuff, which crazy that my parents let me do this. I mean, think about the liability and any kid who blew up their, their fingers or their oh hands, right? Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was something that I, I, I took from, from my family and my upbringing that were helped me, um, you know, much, much later in life. Um, mm. I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Oh, uh, without a doubt. Um, so I see the entrepreneurial spirit was uh, planted uh, from really from day one. I mean, watching your parents' work ethic and and your uncle and and yeah. everything in between and seeing their struggles. You know what else I learned a lot from was they they struggled. They weren't financially literate. They didn't know about investing and like, you know, they 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 didn't leverage debt. You know, the way investors do. Um, there's good debt versus bad debt. Um, you know, I can get into that, but, um, um, they, you know, they, they, they spent like crazy, you know, living off credit cards. So I learned a lesson from that by not doing it. So how did you, cause you are, you are investment person extraordinaire today. Really? You are, you are very deep into that world. Impressively. So how, how did you learn it? What, where did the passion come from? Was it seeing the opposite your whole life and then saying, okay, well, I don't want that for me. I better figure out what the other solution is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I saw them struggle, right. And, and live check to check, right. And buy unnecessary things, right. It was keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, and I honestly think, I mean, that, that, that is a common thing throughout any culture, but Filipinos especially are very competitive and they want to, outshine and and be better than you know the brother the sister you know bigger house better cars you know drive you know what i what i call a, a ghetto fabulous you know you're, you're you're living in an apartment but you got a you got a lexus you know or you got a you right you got a mercedes and i'm rich but meanwhile you got a one-bedroom apartment right you know you're ghetto fabulous so that that's how that's the mentality that i had to sort of uh, i i lived that lifestyle you know i had a bmw and and i lived in a condo you know, I had the nicest car in the parking lot, which we all constantly got broken into, right? So it was like, that wasn't the right way to do things. But you had to be so self-aware, really, to opposed to getting roped into that, you had to figure, you had to have the self-awareness to say, oh, this is not the right way. Yeah, and it took time. You know, I didn't figure it all on, on my own. It, it was through, uh, you know, people I were, I was dating at the time, you know, my wife now, they were more financially literate than I was and better with finances. So I made sure to marry someone who was better at finances than I was at, at the time, you know, so it would keep me in check, you know, when, when I needed to purchase, putting me on a budget, you know, I, you know, as, as a, a man child, you know, I wanted to <laughs> buy all the things that I couldn't get when I was a kid, like a drum set and, you know, all these toys, you know, and a, like a BMW, like who needs that? But I wanted all the things that my parents couldn't give me because I was spoiled rotten growing up. Oh, so, yeah. oh absolutely. Oh. And um, yeah, so, you know, I love them dearly for that, but, you know, and it was all necessary to get to where I am now. Right. So, but I, it was great to experience that because then I recognized what worked and what didn't work. And I started to contact a bunch of investors in the family and saying, 
what are you doing and how do I do it? And they were helped to some degree, but they weren't doing exactly what I wanted to do. But the, the, what I call the purple pill, that Robert Kiyosaki book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, for anyone who hasn't read it, I highly recommend you read this book because that changed my life. I was still working in corporate America, listening to the audio book on the drive in and out. And I was literally punching the steering wheel with the mind-blowing content in there that was like really telling me and us about the good and the bad and the financial literacy and how the educational system does not set us up or give us any sort of primer on how to manage our finances um, purposefully. Like they do that for a reason, right? They don't want to create, they, the 1% needs to stay the 1%, right? Or else that's just how everything works. So if you create a society where we flip it, it just won't work, right? So, and I, I, basically, what I want to say, and I don't want to get too deep into this and throw and 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 throw everybody off, but it 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 really shown a it it's shown a light on leveraging debt, right? Um, and what good debt versus bad debt. So leveraging debt is 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 being able to borrow money, say, from the bank, three percent, right? And the bank gives you that money say, you know, say it's a thousand dollars and you're going to pay them $30 for the privilege of having the right 3%. So then what you do is you take that money and you put it in a vehicle that makes you 12%, right? So in turn, you're making 9%, right? And that all day is good debt, right? So perfect real world example, and not to go down the rabbit hole and we can go to the next segment here right after this example. I'm currently in the process of taking a, a investment that I have that I bought for $86,000 cash, right? So then now what we call is the Burr strategy. I bought, I rehabbed it. I put rent ten, tenants in it. So rented it, refinanced it, right? And then repeating it. So I bought a property for $86,000. It's a multifamily. Now the bank looked at it and said it's worth... 105, right? We'll give you 75% of that, right? So they're going to give me $75,000 back tax-free. After closing, they're going to write me a check for $75,000. I'm going to pay them $400 a month in the mortgage principal and interest. My tenants pay me $1,800 a month. That's $1,400 in my pocket. The tenants are paying down the mortgage Right. Mm -hmm. And I just got $75,000 back. So I only put in how much? 11 grand. And I'm making $1,400 passive income. That's what blew my mind when I got into real estate investing. Here's what's so fascinating <laughs> to me. Um, I love that you said man child earlier because I talk about my story all the time and acknowledge that I was immature on so many levels, in every level. Um, and now I finally grew up and I have a, a semblance of maturity that yeah. seems to work now with that maturity, I've woken up and I said, Hmm, I should probably look into investing yeah. as an adult. I think that, you know, I should be saving money, putting money. Let me learn about investing. And today I am, um, I am actively investing, uh, in the market and some real estate, not, not like you, uh, but, uh, you know, in, in, in different, uh, um, you have a rental. Yeah, exactly. But I don't, I don't even look at that truth, truth, truth be told under this category. Um, so I, I have, I, I am investing and I found that my goodness, I have a passion 
for this, and I love it. So I, I, I indulge in as much education in the finance world as possible, but it just took that first step of saying, you know what? I should look into this. And even if I didn't have an ongoing passion and interest in it, there's still something to be said for taking the first steps and, uh, and really making it work yeah. as an adult. Exactly. I mean, we have to grow up at some point, right? And, and, and it really hit me, all this investing and all this mindset shift when I had kids. It's funny because I asked my, uh, my father-in-law, who's very successful, I'm like, um, what really lit the fire for you to start investing and, and, and getting into that? And he goes, yeah, when I had my first kid. And that's really what, like, boom, the light switch. It's not about me anymore. It's not about all my needs. It's about what am I going to do and what am I going to set up for the next generation? Because when that child is born and you look at them right in the eyes and the face and you see, you're like, this is my replacement. This is who is picking up the mantle or the, picking up the torch right after I'm gone, right? I'm not going to be here forever. It really, it really highlights our mortality right when your kids are born because then you start to realize and see them grow up and at the same time understand i'm getting older and i'm not going to be here forever and how can i best give them a foundation and primer um to to be successful in life yeah i know so many of us can relate to that myself included when uh, the children were born that was uh not not immediately but uh through through their birth and existence into this world was um you know when i realized early on in their lives i realized oh wait a second i'm the child in this <laughs> in this relationship i get it guys i'll work on that give me just give me a little bit of time right yeah i'm going to go cry in the corner now as i contemplate <laughs> what i've been doing uh but you know there's truth to that and yeah, yeah. um so I, I made the necessary changes and thrilled about that um, you know my brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, created on the premise that I spent the lifetime hiding really behind fear, using that as an excuse for everything, mm. to do things and not to do things. Share a time with us that mm. uh, really hits home that example when you in business or life were, were struck by fear in the face, but you knew you had to work through it. Um, yeah, so one of the things that I remember breaking down recently, um, maybe, you know, a few years ago, um, you know, I bought my first rental and I, I you know, I decided to manage it. <clears throat> I don't know nothing. I didn't know anything, nothing, whatever you, <laughs> about the, Eric 1.0, um, <laughs> I, I, uh, about being a landlord, right? And that's the biggest fear that people have. They're like, oh man, I don't want to change toilets and, you know, uh, you know, clog toilets. And it's not about that. It's about the experience and who I'm going to become. Um, at, at, you know, after the fact. So I still manage that property, by the way, but um, it was a ridiculously cold winter. My tenant told me that he was leaving for a couple of months, um, going back to his motherland. And um, I realized we were having this frost and it, our, you know, the, the news, the friends, everybody's like on alert, you know, make sure you shut your pipes off. It's going to freeze. Then it hit me. I'm like, oh my God, this guy, Jean-Claude is he's gone. He's been gone for two months. Who is there in the, in, in the house? So I had to run over there on Christmas night or Christmas Eve, whatever it was, it was in the holiday. And I got there, none of the power was on for whatever reason. And I saw the pipes were frozen. So I freaked out. I started, um, you know, trying to get the heat on, trying to get everything right so that um, it, it wouldn't be a complete mess when it defrosted, right? Because then it just, all the water would 
flood the house. And I got home that night and I literally broke down, you know, because I was running my, my company companies. Um, it was just, everything came to a head where I can't remember exactly everything that was going wrong at the time, but there was a lot going wrong at the time. And that was it. That, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? You know? And you know, it, it was really just a moment of, um, fogginess because I was exhausted. Um, I had been working, you know, every day, all day, weekends. And, um, that was just one of the many things that was, uh, weighing on me. And, you know, it just took some time to recover physically, mentally, spiritually, um, to, to get my center right. But, um, that's the thing about who I am now is if, even if those times, and I'm, I'm human, we're all human. We're going to break down from time to time. Um, cause we're, we, we can only handle so much is setting ourselves up for quick recovery and also um, always sort of, and I like the gym analogy, being fit for those moments so you can help the recovery, you know, happen at a much, much quicker rate. There's so much I love about that, especially the set yourself up for quick recovery. Personally, what I have found is doing gym analogy, like you keep saying, doing the daily work. And that's really what this whole thing is about. You have to acknowledge that this isn't a one or three month thing. It's it's a daily consistent thing. I often say that uh, I'm I'm in recovery. And in many cases, I am from that old uh, lifestyle that was not serving at all. Uh, but what that means, just like any any recovering addict, um, it's it's a daily process and commitment. And that's what it is. Every day is a new day. And every day um, I wake up the same way, the same time, do the same things that I've committed to in the morning that set me up for the best. And emotionally, instead of letting, nobody's perfect, obviously. So you have less than ideal moments and reactions that slip through. Hopefully they, they become few and far between. Um, but it is what I found is now when I am less than the ideal person that I choose to be, if I, if I, if I explode or there's a, or a semblance of anger that creeps through, um, yes, apologize, but then also recover from it. It doesn't have to sit with me. I don't have to beat myself up. I could still love and respect myself and say, ah, I see what happened there. I see why it happened. Okay. Got it. I can move on now. Yeah. A hundred percent. Another thing that I exercise, and I don't know if this is innate or if it's something you can teach yourself, but having empathy for those in your life. And anyone that you, that you encounter, even if it's just you, you know, seeing a post and, and, and somebody reacting uh, to something, um, I always try to think from their perspective what's happening. So, for example, if you're driving and you were, and I was, a road rage type of person, when I got to the point where I realized what's going on in their life, what's happening there, did they just get laid off? Did that guy cut me off because he had a, you know, his wife just you know, issued divorce papers, I started to see from other people's perspective so that I can empathize and also help me to get over whatever anger that I may have, you know, encountered there, cut it off before it even happens. So I often try to help people in my life when they get angry about something or someone, I say, 
give it from the other person's perspective. I'm like, you know, they have this, 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 this going on. Did you think about that? I'm like, no, I didn't. That's empathy. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's true. We hear that sometimes, uh, but until you're self-aware that that's the thing, it's... Yeah. It's yeah. not about you. You don't have to get angry and take it personally. Mm. You know, they, they, there's something perhaps going on in their life, you know? Yeah. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I remember you and I, <laughs> when we very first met, and hopefully we could, you know, Easter egg the, the your, our first interview together. We started getting a little deep from a spiritual level, and you gave me this one look. I was like, "Do you not believe that?" And then, and then you looked at me like, "I don't want to get into that right now." <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think things happen for a reason, um, not in the sense that things are out of your control. I believe things happen for a reason because you set it in motion, right? So everything that every decision you've made in life, everything every decision you made in business. Um, Whenever something happened, it's because something that you have done, a decision that you made or didn't make, um, led you to that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying basically is uh, we are the outcome. A every experience and person and circumstance in our life, we have drawn to us. Absolutely. Because of our choices, actions, and decisions. Yeah. I think that that's a hard pill for some to swallow. Yeah. Uh, it was certainly for me, but that is, I believe, by definition the truth of the matter. Yeah. Everything yeah. in your existence is not because some sort of random circumstance. It's, it's, it's what you've called forth yeah. as a, as a mirror and as a power exactly. and as a creator. Exactly. You are there experiencing that because of all the roads and paths and decisions you made through your journey. Yeah. And the good side yeah. of that is, uh, exactly. <laughs> and, and you, you know, that's me because I'm, I'm wearing the exact same shirt today. So, <laughs> It's yeah. For those listening to this, uh, we have a background screenshot of Josh um, walking on his journey. Yeah, hidden entrepreneur. Yeah, branding. Yeah, exactly. It's so uh, <laughs> it, it's so metaphysical here. It's like the hidden entrepreneur, and I am partially my face is if, hidden. Yeah, yeah. I, if you take this shirt off, you're wearing the same shirt under there. It's like a Russian doll. <laughs> And again, I didn't even plan on wearing this this shirt, but um, as you said earlier, I have a closet full of just yeah, these exactly. shirts. You're right? like Superman. It's accidental branding, <laughs> like we said. Uh, it's it's true though. Getting back to the point at yeah. hand, which is that we uh, we attract the circumstances into our lives. Mm -hmm. But the good news, once you can accept that, is that <laughs> if that's the case, you have the ability and power to create a more positive outcome yeah. as you wish. Uh, so. As long as you wish it, do you want that? What do you want? Do you really want that? Do you say you want it, but then your actions prove differently? Mm -hmm. Depends. Yeah. 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 True. Good stuff. What do you believe happens when it's all over? When our time here on earth comes to an end? This is, this is, this is <clears throat> controversial, right? Everybody has their own belief. But my belief is I believe in reincarnation. I believe in we get the chance to do it again. Um, I, I, I do believe we are a shell. And there's something inside of us um, that you can't touch. And we go back. Analogy that I always think of is uh, like glasses of water. And imagine a sea of this, a glasses of water. And when you take that, a glass out of this sea of water and you pour it back in, right? That's, that's it. Right? That's all of us together as one. Sounds kind of hokey, but that's, what, that's my belief. And then you get to come back. And um, oftentimes when people reference old souls, um, those are the people that have been here 
however many times, done it over and over, take look, lessons have been learned and then they applied it in the next life and they just got better and better and better at it. And then there's people that you meet that just couldn't, can't figure things out, right? They're 70, 80 years old and they're angry, right? It's like, that's a newish type of soul, right? Maybe they've only been here a couple times. You know, they're getting to know. And then they come back, whatever they learn, hopefully they apply it or they keep repeating the same stuff. Um, so I, I like to believe in that because it really just unifies and, 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 and makes you more empathetic because then you start to think of it as we are all sort of this one thing in the end. Mm. You can call it heaven. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah. But yeah, it's all whoosh, just pour it all into the same bucket or light or whatever you want to frame it as. Cool. Yeah. I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, how how can we wrap all this up? If we were supposed to, if, if we were to take everything we've been talking about, mm-hmm. um, what is the lesson? What is the thing? What is the next step that we're we're we're, we're really talking about here? The next step for our listeners? Correct. Yeah. Uh, so actionable items are always tough, right? Because because it depends on who's listening and what stage you are in your life and in your business. Um, I like to talk to the people who were where I was as far as being at a nine to five, in a cubicle, in an office, working with people you don't like very much, watching a lot of television and just talking about, you know, the least common denominators. Um, you know, I... I remember the life I re- and I met a lot of wonderful people, but I don't feel it's the best place to grow. Um, I don't feel it's the best fertile soil for you to reach your unlimited potential because you have people there with agendas, whether it's your coworkers or your boss or your manager, or whoever it is, you're there to help them grow their business and align with their goals. And when it's all said and done, you get to go home and do nothing, right? <laughs> and and their business thrives and they make millions and millions of dollars to do whatever the heck they want to do. We don't often get the opportunities to do that as employees <clears throat> and reach your untapped potential, right? You, you're, your potential is limited when you're um, working for a company. So I personally love to, to inspire people who are there, right? Like Neo falling asleep at the keyboard and there's the tapping and it's like, are you awake? You know, I, <laughs> this is Trinity. This is, this is Morpheus. I love to awaken the hidden entrepreneur in people because they hear the message, right? They get it. They like, oh, that resonates with me. How do I do that? He's inspiring me to do what he did. He's a prime example of, of it being possible. Right. So if anybody wants to talk to me about that, you know, you could reach out because I love telling my story and inspiring people that um, it's it's all very doable. You just have to put the reps in. Right. That is it. Well, on that note, I will leave you with this final question. Eric Cabral, how would you like to be remembered? <laughs> I love that. Um, obviously, through my kids and their kids and their kids. Um I interviewed a guy recently that said he wants to, and I'm going to sort of borrow this from him because it was really um, just next level. Uh, how do he's, how do you set up a foundation for your family that will span 3000 years, right? That's like Rockefeller Vanderbilt type of stuff where you create so much wealth in your lifetime 
and you set them up and educate them to the point where they can keep passing it on and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. That's kind of cool, man. Like thinking, man, 3000 years. It's like the whole Grant Cardone concept where, you know, okay, I was thinking really 30 years, but right, let me 10 X this 3000 years is a pretty cool goal. Like, man, I want to, I want to just set them up forever, you know? So that'd be kind of nice to at least get that ball, ball rolling and get it started for them. That's beautiful. Just like you, inside and out, my man, this uh, experience, this production, uh, this opportunity, this life that you've um, uh, afforded for yourself and certainly for me at this point for our worlds to intersect and collide, as they say, this has been a treat. Um, I thank you for uh, for this chance. I know it's uh, hopefully much of the beginning Absolutely. of where we're going to go. And thank you for you for tuning in. Uh, love reading your comments. Thank you for that. There's going to be a lot more of this. So uh, we'll see how this develops and where it goes. And you'll be on the path with us. So uh, thank you, Eric. Yeah, thank you. And also, um, you know, be on the lookout for a special episode called The Hidden Entrepreneur Circle, where, <laughs> where Josh and I <laughs> start doing stuff together. I see what you did there, right? Because your podcast is Entrepreneur Circle, right? I get it, the hidden or, or the hidden circle, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll figure it out. But uh, the wheels are already turning. Thank you guys for tuning in. Let's keep the conversation going. I appreciate you spending your time. Uh, if you want to head over to uh, wherever you download your podcasts and leave a review, I love reading your comments, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Uh, I'll see you there. Until we do it again, thank you for tuning in. Go get them. Another one of my most favorite times to be literally face-to-face with an extraordinary entrepreneur, somebody has who has been been through it, their version of it. We know that that these outcomes uh, typically don't come easy, uh, without a lot of story behind it. I'm excited, Eric Cabral. So good to see you. Thanks so much, Josh. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And by see you, I mean here here you are. <laughs> I do I do see you. Yeah. So you're the founder of On Air Brands. Yes. Um, and I know someone like you, you, you um, come to this with using both sides, sides of the brains, right? For better or worse. Spell that out for us. Yeah. So for those who don't really think about it, um, you know, there are left brain and right brain individuals and the left brain tend to lean on to, you know, logistical, analytical sort of thoughts and processes. And then the right brain loves creative and imagining things and being the visionary. So oftentimes when business partners get together, there's a, the, the left heavy or even marriage or any sort of partnership, uh, the left and the right work really well together. So I've dated, I don't know about you, but I've been with people who are creative didn't work so well together, um, you know, but oftentimes I'm really work uh, well with people who are left brain operators. Um, I, throughout my entire career, most of my life, uh, dabbled in and was very comfortable on the right side, uh, just creating and being, you know, a creative individual, but then um, most recently started to get comfortable on the left side. So that's where real estate started to come into play. Did you find that you had to... You had to put in the reps, so to speak, to 
to build it up? Yeah, 100%. I like that, the reps, because, you know, the, the mind is a muscle, and we have to exercise it at the gym every day. So, um, yes, I, I towards the latter part of my corporate career, so I was in the creative industry for over 20 years, and I'd say the last two to three years of that, um, I was building systems and teams and being very analytical and analyzing the numbers, um, not because I wanted to, but because I had to, right? It was part of my job. I remember when I got the, uh, just when I got the, the uh, job description, I literally understood half of it because they were talking about the creative side. And then the other left, the other half of it was all operations. I was like, don't we usually have somebody that does operations and then the creative director? But they know they needed somebody who could do both. So it was great opportunity because I was forced to exercise that muscle and get comfortable in it. How did you know that you even had that capability, I didn't. though? Tell me. I had no idea. But you said, I am going to hope that I can, I'm going to say, yes, I I'm can do this. Try and fa- I'm going to fail and try, and I'm sure I'll come out of it and I've learned something. So I did have an entrepreneurial sort of mindset, you know, when I was building an uh, in-house creative agency in, a, in Big Pharma, number one pharma company at wow. the time. Um, not, not that I'm bragging or anything, but it was, it was, it was a long road to get there. You know, I worked in Big Pharma for, like I said, you know, 20 years, 18 years at the time. And then it, I guess just through hard work, spit and grit and just, you know, staying the course, eventually that was going to be my path. So I hit a glass ceiling and then, um, saw what I was capable of by building this company that was internally producing half a million dollars a year flat for like 10 years. And then when my team left, uh, we had it close to three million. So that Josh gave me the balls to say, wait a minute, I could do this from if I could do it for them, why can't I just do this for myself? You know, so Wow. Yeah. Um what was your happiness level? The happiness level uh during that time was not very high. I was working ridiculous hours. Um my commute was an hour and a half each way. Oh. It was brutal, man. It was brutal. But I learned so much, you know, you know, when you're at the gym and you're working out, it's misery, right? It's hard. It hurts. But then when I came out of it, I was like, man, I'd become something else. You know, so to be honest, you know, that year and a half, two years of building that business was was not happy because I, you know, I wasn't around my family. I wasn't with my loved ones. I was missing parties and just just things that milestones in my kid's life. So that's was the impetus and the and the catalyst for change when we got laid off. I realized the same thing in my current life that yes, anything is learnable. You could, if you have the desire or the need or the want, you can put in the reps, as we say, and build it up. Uh, But it becomes a discipline, which I realize is so, so important. And really everything. Um, I, I now get up at six in the morning which I still think that there's a buffer to even, you know, some of the some of the most successful get up earlier. Oh, yeah. I'm happy with right now six, Works which exactly. Yeah. And then one of the first things I do bright and early that morning is run on the treadmill, mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Yeah. Do you think I want to? <laughs> no. I'm sure, there are mornings where you don't want to do it. But do I? Yes, yeah. because I know the result mm-hmm. that that will produce, and I know what outcome that will have. A hundred percent. Yeah. That was the toughest part, not just the physical, but the, the, the mental aspect of making that transition because you get stuck in the rut, right? That 99% of folks that work for paycheck to paycheck and, you know, looking forward to the weekends, 
um, that was my life. And to make the transition into being a business owner was one of the hardest parts, honestly, um, because I had to read a lot. I had to, I had to absorb a lot of content. I had to surround myself with the right people. I had to, you know, you know, painfully let some people go from my life, you know? So it was all leading up to where I am now, which was the necessity. So in other words, you had to take ownership and responsibility uh -huh. for your life, your actions, your results yes. as you wanted them to be. A hundred percent. And that's the thing that's one of the scariest things that people don't talk about when you become an entrepreneur and a business owner is you are the one that's accountable, right? You have ownership over every screw up, right? You can't pass the buck and go, oh, it was this person's fault. That's that, that, that was the thing that I noticed when I started meeting entrepreneurs when I first got in was like, they own it. They always take the blame and they always figure out what went wrong and how can I have fixed that? What, what it was my part, you know, in the role and how, how could we have corrected that? It's such a hard pill to swallow for, for some, for most yeah. that yeah. aren't quite there yet, but it is a mental game though. I mean, isn't life a mental game? Oh yeah. It's all a game. Yeah. yeah. You you got laid off from the same job more than once, right? No, no. So it was I was in another big pharma company. They were all top 10. Um, and I got laid off from that one, which was a blessing because we were getting married at the time. So I got a nice package that paid for our wedding. So I always see the <laughs> silver lining because they Wonderful. laid off a probably 15 to 20 people that day. And there were people crying. There <laughs> were people, I was doing cartwheels. I was like, yeah, because now I was like, my wedding's taken care of. I went and got a job two weeks later. So I was, I, I was wow. like, I was, it was so perfect. Uh, so everybody else was upset where I was so they were like, why do you have a big smile on your face? I've been here for nine years. I'm kind of tired of this place. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. But you did get laid off. Um, Multiple times. Yeah, so twice. I was blessed to only get laid off twice in 20 years. <laughs> only. Only, yeah, yeah. Did, did you ever find, did that, aside from the marriage, when you were getting married, like, mm -hmm. oh, thank goodness, did you ever have that weigh on you, like, oh, there's something wrong with me, or I'm doing something? No, because I knew I was doing the best I could um, at the time. You know, um, it, it, I'm sure, yeah, there, I, I remember both times being depressed afterwards. Um, you know, was it me? Is it me? But, you know, reflecting now, I realized, you know what, I was, it was all the right timing. Everything happened for a reason. And, you know, yeah, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now if, if it all didn't happen. I'd still be sitting at a desk, you know, somewhere, not having fun with you. And how much, how much happier are you? How much more oh joy God. in oh your life God. is there today? It's a thousand percent. Like, so, it's like night and day, brother. I mean, like... I have freedom in so many ways. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the path to creating financial freedom, and then I'm on the path to creating freedom in my time because we all know that's the, 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 the most important asset that we can have is our own time and having control over it. I've never had this much control over my time, who I spend time with ever in my life. Let's, yeah. let's talk about that for a minute. What yeah. does that really mean that that's the most important thing, having freedom over time? Yeah, so being able to wake up in the morning and, you know, my day is what I want it to be. Um, whether I want to spend that time with my daughters or when I want to spend some time having coffee with my wife on the deck. Um, or do I want to spend that time, you know, making that phone call to the person that I need to talk to, whether it's a friend or a business partner. Um, it's just, and then, and then mapping out my day, week and month, being able to have that freedom to say, 
yes, I want to do that. And no, I won't, don't need to do that. And maybe I could do that later, you know, and then people contact you and say, you know, do you want to be a part of this? You know, you ha you don't, you're not obligated to do anything, right? It's all your choice. And I never had that freedom of choice before. Everything seemed like an obligation. Yeah. So my brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, you know, is founded on the premise that I spent a lifetime hiding behind fear, playing small, not showing up the way I knew I was capable. Was there a time in your life you had a similar experience? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> as far as I can remember, when I was in corporate America, I was always that guy. I mean, there was times where my entrepreneurial spirit would eke out and I would start these side things. I created my own a company um, you know, while I was working full time. Um, and, you know, or I would do side projects where I'd start a band and then, you know, that became a business. We turned it into a business, you know, because, you know, there's marketing and, and scheduling and, you know, just keeping a tight schedule of practice. Like you would think artists and, and musicians are very flighty, which they are, but no, the three of us were very entrepreneurial. They moved to LA, they started their own businesses, my, um, you know, my bandmates. And we produced and created so much stuff during that time. We ran it because we ran it like a business. So there was always that entrepreneur in me that was like, oh, yeah, you're in corporate America, but maybe you should do something else because you're meant to do something else. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You believe everything happens for a reason? 100%, yeah. And you've seen that play out in your life? Yeah, yeah, I have. Wow. Yeah. What did you, growing up, what was your... What was your vision for the future? How, how closely related is, is where you are today from that? That's a good one. It's a good one. I guess when we're all kids, I, you know, I wanted to be rich, you know, I wanted to have a yacht and right and drive a Ferrari and have all the women around me. And, um, you know, it's it, it's it's a lifestyle. It's a fantasy. And a lot of people do create that fantasy. Um, but if I were to take a snapshot of my life and then email it to myself, you know, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I'm sure I'd be like, holy shit, man, you did live, you know, you're living a dream, you know, like it's, it's dreamlike, but I, you know, I'm not, I'm not bawling and I'm not, you know, but I imagine relatively speaking, you know, w I came from a very middle-class upbringing and, um, you know, worked my way thanks to corporate America. You know, I, I don't want to bag on it completely. You know, I, I, I learned a ton from being in that, you know, that environment. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a dream and a dream that I wouldn't, wouldn't change, you know, even though it's not as cartoonish as, <laughs> as living like, was that, what's that guy's name? Bilzerian or his name sounds like billionaire, Dan Bilzerian or something okay. like that. That guy, he's got like, yeah, tons of cars and yachts and women. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Bilzerian, I think is his name. But. <laughs> what, um, looking back on a younger version of yourself, what conversation would you have with that person? Oh, man. I would, I would tell myself to, to trust your instincts and your gut on things. Um, you know, one thing that I practice now every day is when an opportunity comes, I quickly assess, you know, what's the worst case scenario, what's the best case scenario, what's the most likely scenario. And that helps me to make that decision relatively quickly because it'll be the most likely scenario, something in the middle. Mm. I think I think Mel Robbins talks about that, you know, the five, you know, countdown, five, four, three, two, one. We often internalize this and we don't realize we're doing it and that's your gut reaction, right? But if you want to take it to a very left brain analytical, peel it back and say, okay, 
best case scenario, worst case scenario, most likely scenario, that usually can quickly inform me. So I would tell myself, trust your gut. And if you don't feel your gut is good enough, do that exercise, which is basically your gut. And is anything required from the person in order to really successfully pull that off? Because it seems like if you could... You could be fooling yourself for better or worse, it almost seems like, right? So how do you really position yeah. yourself to get the moat? Because I love that theory. Yeah. yeah, I say surround yourself with people who you are confident know more than you. So yes, experience comes with that sort of exercise. So you, get, you, you can trust your gut more if you ex- have experienced more. So I often leverage other people's experience and failures so that I can confidently say, okay, yes, this is a good opportunity because this person's been doing it, you know, 10 years longer than I have and has success. So, um, yeah, so in real estate investing, for example, um, when I first got into it, I didn't trust my gut or my instincts. Um, Even though the numbers looked good, then I would want to invest in it. But what did I do? I I surrounded myself with people who are experts, other people who have been doing it much longer than I were, have been doing it, and then also people that had a lot of success doing it. And then I put them in my circle. So yeah, Hmm. it really helped. You talk about habits and rituals to achieve success. Walk us through some of your most needed ones that you rely on. So what you said, wake up early in the morning. I was not a morning person. I would say I'm still not a morning person. I really force myself. Um, But there's really something to be said for getting up at the crack of dawn. You're just waking up and being the first person awake in your neighborhood. You know, that air is so crisp, the sun, like you feel like you're the only person on the planet. There's something so serene and something so spiritual about that. So then I get up early, although it's tough with little ones. I have two little ones. Um, But um, then doing some mindfulness, you know, you know, journaling, you know, this is all stuff that everybody says, but there is, you know, success leaves clues. And this is the blueprint that I've discovered for myself that works for everyone everyone so it's like do these things take care of your health take care of your mind your your spiritual well-being surround yourself with like-minded individuals those are the things that i try to do on a you know daily weekly and just every single day in my life why do you think that so many people resist that when we're talking about it on paper it seems so logical like yes i want that but So many just do not step into that role. Because it's, <laughs> one word, because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it's comfortable to keep doing what you're doing because you can expect and predict the next day. <laughs> Even if it's painful. <laughs> yeah. That's the irony. A yeah. lot of our comfort yeah. is painful. Right, right. And you know, there's no growth if you're comfortable. Mm. Zero growth. So we, we uh, accept the pain that we know and stay comfortable yeah. because we're afraid. Afraid of what the unknown. Afraid, you know, what's the saying? And I don't want to butcher it, but, you know, it's it, only until the pain you're, um, it, it goes past your current situation will you actually try to make that change to be, you know, something like that. Yeah, you know, I butchered it's it. so true, no. But you know what I'm saying, it's, it's, it's really, you have to, the situation you're in has to be so painful that if you don't change, that's gonna be, you know what I'm saying? So anyway. Yeah. No, sh- yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like finding our why or the yeah. reason or the need. 100%. For me, it was my, my children. I yeah. quickly realized uh, early on in their still young lives that I was the child in that <laughs> scenario. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I, don't, I didn't want to be that person. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I see the way you guys are looking at me. Thank you. Got it. I'm kicking and screaming. <laughs> 
understood. You guys are the awesome ones yeah, yeah. here. And they are, and they were. And yeah. I just follow their lead and parent as I do. Yeah. And it's it's now wonderful because um, the pain was... Yeah, and you know, and, and I want to echo some the things that you've said on your show um, is, you know, w- without a support system at home and without a loving, supportive wife or spouse to to be that rock while we're doing what we're doing, you know, while we're here on a, what's today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't even know the what day. day is, is it a Tuesday? I don't know, but the thing and, is. And what time of day right, is Right, what time is day? Like, there's no so, windows here. Yeah, exactly. It's like a so casino all of a sudden. <laughs> no clocks. So know, there's, there's, so get the, oxygen. <laughs> yeah, keep pumping oxygen in here, yeah. please. But the thing is, without that, I, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. Like, I if I did not have her in my corner saying, yes, go do that. Yes, go network. Yes, go meet people. You know, she understands how important it is, and um, that's that's critical to your success is to having support. You know, having that Mickey in your corner or the ring. To nice say, reference. You know, yeah, yeah, cats the chicken rock. You, know, like, <laughs> you need the chicken. You need the. You need Mickey. Wow. A Meredith Burgess, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It's like he's back. He's <laughs> cats the chicken. Wow. <laughs> oh, Meredith Burgess, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Right. The yeah. penguin. The penguin, and also the best Twilight Zone episode. Do you remember that one? No. Oh, okay, dude. Look should for I, him. Should I watch it? Yes, please, yeah. please. He was really young um, if the only time. there was a mechanism where i could watch an old episode <laughs> i think those are public domain now you can just yeah they're probably on youtube all for free <laughs> you know but. amazing eric let me leave you with this final question eric cabral how would you like to be remembered oh man we often talk about legacy especially um you know business partners of mine and you know first and foremost always family right how, how do i want to be viewed and spoken about, you know, when my children reflect, you know, when I'm long and gone, you know, you know, oh, dad inspired me to do this, dad, you know, I I want to be remembered for everything I've left behind for them to take the baton and keep running or, you know, to be inspired to do their own thing, you know, so I want them to be able to think outside of the box, not just you know, my, my daughters, but their kids, you know, like, you know, grandpa, Eric, you know, this and that, it just, I want that legacy to be remembered that, you know, I, I took the risks and it paid off. I am right there with you. That question, how would you like to be remembered is, uh, not only the last question that I ask all of my guests, but it's really defined how I work with people and clients to really get clear on that question, because I think that you know your answer is actually exactly what I say. I want to be remembered as the greatest daddy, mm-hmm. using the terminology that my kids give me, mm-hmm. because at family reunions, yeah. I want to be spoken about, and it's exactly what you just said. It's so powerful. Like yeah. like past past the grandkids. I mean, like, yeah. like great grandkids. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. How yeah. how could you even? But like, yeah. Tell me about tell me about your, you know, uh, w- what was great granddaddy Josh like? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Hundred percent, man. You know. So yeah, that that's really um, just how we become immortal, right? Um, not not that I want to feed off some ego where I'm like I want to live forever, but that is really our legacy that we leave behind. The, the way we handled life, the way we, we treated people, that's how I want to be remembered soon. Let me follow up with this quick question, um, and we'll wrap up quickly thereafter. What do you believe happens when it's all over, when our time oh, here man, on Earth dude, comes to an really end? You're really going to cap it on that one? We, yeah. we need another half hour. 
<laughs> I think, you know, just on a personal level, obviously, I believe that, you know, we continue on. Like, I, I feel, I do believe in reincarnation. I feel, I feel like when we're gone, we turn to dust. But there's something inside, right? There's something when you look into people's eyes. There's something beyond this flesh and bone, right? So I, I really feel like people that you speak to that say, oh, you, that's an old soul or that person, salt of the earth, they've been here. And they've figured it out, right? And they're doing it again, and they're making it better. They're making themselves. You ever see that or read a book called Replay by, uh, I think his name was Ken Grimwood? No. Or the movie, like, Edge of Tomorrow or, any, or Groundhog Day? Yes. Any, that's how I feel life is. They, it's encapsulated there with one person on screen during two hours. But I feel like life is that, where we just keep coming back and doing it over and getting better and getting better. You know? And then the people who don't figure their stuff out are the people that they're like new souls. You know, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah, we're gonna leave it on that. <laughs> Eric Cabral, <laughs> to be continued in the house, literally. <laughs> my man, thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Absolute pleasure. pleasure. Yeah, Had my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.